0: This is DZF's Maestro Filipino, a focus for music with a connection to home. For this edition, I'm Tiffany. This week and the next, we'll be spending time with a composer whose name of late has been on the lips of many a musician, especially choristers, and after putting together this program, I can't help but hear it in my head, chanted, shouted, and sung. The composer is Nilo Alcala and his album with the renowned Philippine and singers under Mark Anthony Carpio is Onomatopoeia. We'll sample the album over the next half hour, and I will leave it to Nilo to talk about his path up to this point, his influences, and the album itself. But first, from the 2017 album, the setting of the Agnus Dei. So I have a very standard question, but it's always something that people are curious about. Um, in the Philippines, it's quite customary for composers not to have begun in composition, uh, but to have started in some performing field and then to segue into composition. What was your journey like?
1: Exactly like that. I was not <laughs> a composer <laughs> before I started you know, the music thing. Mm. I was actually a development communication major at UPLB. So it was there that I started arranging choral music. I was a member of the UPLB Choral Ensemble. Mm -hmm. I started out as a fan of the Philippine Magical Singers. So that's why I was into choirs back then. It's not composing, it's just arranging, you know. But I came from a musical family like most Filipinos. My parents played instruments, they sang, they composed songs. My sisters also sang and played. We all played music by ear. My father's side, almost all of them play at least two instruments in the family. So it was in my blood, but then it was in the back burner. When I got into the choir thing, UPLB, mm-hmm. this arranging thing was sort of my um, gateway into composition. But I didn't compose right away. I mm-hmm. finished DevCom mm-hmm. and then I worked for two years and then I realized I wanted to go into conversation. So I auditioned to enter into the UP College of Music. I got in
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, things started from there.
0: Wow. So it, it was like being reborn.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Before I auditioned, actually, I made a pact with God. I prayed to him. I said, if you could just make me excellent in whatever I will do, you can use me however you want. I don't know if I, I really did the end of my bargain, but after that prayer things started happening, you know, I passed the entrance exam at the UP College of Music. I won competitions. I won the Asian Composers League Young Composers Award. I got the second prize. Mm. And then I got gigs here and there favors favors from God I believe Um, my teacher went away for studies and she her name's Joymar Phil she asked me to step in for a film scoring thing so there were lots of professional gigs already available for me back then as a student which was so great and then I auditioned to be part of the Philippine Magical Singers and I got in and that's a whole new story when you're a a composer and a member of the magical singers you get to have your own right. uh, lab choir
2: right so, just,
1: <laughs> so i would you know write stuff for my as assignments for for my college of music classes and then i would give it to sir mark as we would call our, our choir master and we would try it out and if it's good he will say let's use it for a competition or for for this concert or whatever
0: <laughs> so up to that point you were primarily a choral composer
1: yes Although the competitions I entered then were like for chamber music. The piece I wrote for the Asian Composers League was for a chamber group, like a pure Ensemble. pure
0: Ensemble. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But yes, primarily I am, since I was a fan of choral music before entering the college of music, I write a lot of choral music.
0: Yeah. Would you say that's still the discipline or the field in which you are most comfortable?
1: Yes. It really comes naturally to me. It's like, writing prose for me. <laughs> right.
0: And then, of course, you pursued further studies abroad.
1: Yes. Right before graduating from the UP College of Music, I searched for scholarships abroad. And luckily, I found this entry about the Billy Joel Fellowship in schools in New York. So I sent my application and my portfolio. And luckily, I got it. I got a full ride at Syracuse University. It's upstate New York. Very, very cold. Um, (laughs) Too much snow. (laughs) But, you know, it was a really awesome experience.
0: And you also got to stay at the Copeland
1: house. Oh, yeah. So it's uh, it's the house of Aaron Copeland, where he stayed like maybe 30 years towards the end of his life. The story was that um, the neighbors didn't want the house to go to waste. So Mm -hmm. I think they raised money to buy the house and then use it as a residency house for for composers like me. So every year, the foundation is called Coburn House Incorporated, I think. The foundation would choose eight to ten composers, and those composers would stay in that house one at a time. And I got to stay there for like, I think, six weeks, five to six weeks in 2017. I was able to write several pieces there
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, you know, meals are provided for. Oh, and they let me borrow a car so I could go around the town. It's, it's a dream. And, and Aaron Copland's studio is amazing. It's like this room with big, 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 big windows. And you could see, you know, a mini forest around you. And I would mm. see deer running around <laughs> and, you know, it'd really inspire you to write music. Uh, sometimes it's too intimidating I'm like, when I'm sitting on Aaron Copland's desk, and I'm thinking, oh no, this, this is hallowed ground. I better write something good.
0: <laughs> but at that time, the pieces you were writing, were they for Filipino audiences? Were they Filipino works? Were they for American audiences? What was it like? You were active at this time as well with uh, American groups, weren't you?
1: Yes, I was. But for my stay at the Copland House, I think, because um, I had several commissions back then, one was the contest piece for the Namsia solo voice competition. So I w- wrote it there. It's entitled, Kung Iniaalay Ang Naririto. So it's for piano and voice. But I, m- I made several versions for different categories like soprano, alto, tenor. Another commission uh, that I had during that time was for Merriam College mm-hmm. uh, Girls Choir because they, they were going to a competition. I think it's the World Choir Games, if I'm not mistaken.
0: And you've also written for the Los Angeles
1: Master Chorale. Oh, yes, yes. So I received an email around 2013, I guess, from the artistic director, Grant Gershon. He said, oh, Nilo, I enjoyed your stuff online from YouTube and SoundCloud, and we would love to get together, maybe explore the possibility of writing music for our group. I think a year or two passed before we actually got together. The commission is for a large ensemble and a master artist from one of the um, immigrant communities in California. And I was lucky to get in contact with the late Danongan Kalanduyan, an authentic Kulintang artist from Maguindanao, who then was living in, actually in San Francisco. So I wrote a piece for choir and Kulintang, which was a multi-movement piece. The title of the piece is called Mga or Ceremonies. It was inspired by... The Maguindanao culture itself, where Kulintang music is used in everyday rituals or ceremonies. So that's the piece that I wrote for the LA Master Chorale, and it was premiered at the Disney Concert Hall in November of 2015.
0: Do you find yourself tapping into any particular musical tradition when you write? Composer influences, maybe?
1: Well, I have my favorites. Stravinsky is a favorite for one. Um, I like works by um, our very own Francisco Feliciano, national artist, influenced by other composers who were members of the Philippine Magical Singers, Eudenice Palaruan, Federizon. So these Filipino composers also tap into that Philippine heritage. So I think that's maybe the common thread among us. Our musical language is rich, onomatopoeic, rhythmic. I also like Impressionism. Debussy and Bravel. So sometimes in my choral music, the intricacy that I would aim for would be delicate. It would be dense but still delicate if I'm aiming for that Debussy-like texture. Color is important to you? Color is important, yes. Color, texture, and word painting is very important.
0: Let's shift over now to the album uh, Onomatopoeia, performed by the Philippine Magical Singers. From the title itself, it sounds like it's a compendium of music you love to write. Tell me a little bit about its genesis, what's in it, perhaps some of its highlights.
1: So the, the album Onomatopoeia, the Choral Music of Nilo Alcala, it was released in 2017, but the recording started in 2013. And the span of music that's in there uh, that I wrote is like from 2003 to 2013. So it's like 10 years worth of my life. (laughs) Yeah. So um, the pieces there include a lot of pieces commissioned by different groups. I get to be commissioned to write for groups that are competing abroad. Um, So uh, I wrote music for the Philippine Magical Singers, for the... AUP ambassadors. So most of these pieces are competition pieces and then based on indigenous material. So like Ka Isa, isa is mm. from a children's play chant from Maguindanao. So it's like uh, the Philippine version of One, Two, Bach, my Shoe, but in Maguindanao. <laughs> and then there's Olono from the Bontok region, the mountain province. There's Bagbagto, a gibberish chant from the northern region. So bagbag if some of you are familiar, is the chant that the igrot do before planting season. It's not practiced anymore, but from my readings, what they did was to throw stones at each other. and Yes, and then um, the more bloody it gets... It means the more harvest that they would get at the end of the season. It's a ritual. It's a ritual mm. that they did, and and it's a, it's a friendly, you know, throwing of stones actually. <laughs> yeah. If
0: there that, were to be such a thing, right? Friendly yes. throwing of stones. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> So there's that section of indigenous music-inspired choral music. And then there's a section of poetry in music. So there's music that I wrote using Pablo Neruda's uh, Cataclismo. The title of the piece is La Noche de Mil Noches. And then one of the pieces is called Ceremonial Burning, which started actually as an autumn burning, which is poetry by Wendell Berry then I realized I might have difficulty with securing copyright. So I created my own poetry, which is now about burning your fears, your own fears, and then you becoming your new self once you've burned away that fear. And then there's three other pieces at the end of the album that are sacred music. So there's mm-hmm. Pater Noster, there's Anus Dei, and then Sa Silong ng Langit, which is based on Ecclesiastes 3, 1, and 8.
2: I a yung iyak ng hindi yuman ang aking kapayapaan na di tulad ng sa sanlibutan huwag mabalisa at huwag magamba ang um, pa...
0: This music is from the album Onomatopoeia, the choral music of Nilo Alcala, released in 2017 and featuring the Philippine madrigal singers under Mark Anthony Carpio. We heard complete, Sasilo Nang Langit, and interspersed in my conversation with Nilo excerpts of Kaisa Isanyan, bag bag To, and Ceremonial Burning. Onomatopoeia is available online from Amazon, iTunes, and on Spotify. The next part of our interview is next week, along with more of Nilo Alcala's rich and kaleidoscopic choral works, so do join me again then. That's all for this Maestro Filipino, DZF's weekly feature for fine music in our locale. Each episode airs Saturday, 4 in the afternoon, the following Monday at 12 midnight, and lastly the next Thursday at noon. The shows are subsequently made available online on our SoundCloud and Spotify channels, so please subscribe. I'm Tiffany. Thanks for listening.